for the gospel reading. That reading we've just heard was an, a wonderful story of courage, and the gospel reading is another one of, of great courage. So listen to the good news proclaimed in the gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, beginning at the 22nd verse. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the Gospel of Christ. I'm going to ask Alan to come and we'll just say a prayer for him. Lord, we thank you for Alan, for his courage in coming to give, his, give this word to us. And Lord, we thank you that the sermon he's going to speak is a sermon he lives, as he lives courageously for you. So Lord, I pray that the words don't go out and return void, but Lord, that our hearts are open to hear what you would say to each one of us today. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Mandy. Morning, everybody. I hope you're all well and having a good weekend and enjoying the cold. I'm off to Nottingham Road a bit later, and I believe it's like zero degrees there, so could be doing a lot of sleeping and eating. We, we're carrying out on our Church Alive series this morning based on the book of Acts. Last week, Mandy shared on evangelism and how it's okay to fail in sharing God's word. It was, subject, it was a subject that I could relate to and appreciate as I've failed in my evangelism journey many times. Similarly, I can relate to today's topic of kingdom courage as I have in many cases been a wimp in my Christian war. And talking about wimps, I heard a story the other day about an overseas hunter in, in North America. It was his very first hunting trip and the only time he had really ever seen a bear was in the zoo and in pictures. So he buys the gun, he buys all the gears, and off he goes hunting. But then he sees the bear, and he panics. So he drops his gun, he drops his gear, and he starts running away. And the bear does what bears would do, and it started chasing him. And the guy ran as fast and fast as he could, but eventually he couldn't run any further because he came to a cliff. And being a religious man but not knowing what to do, he decided that he was going to pray. So he, sh he shouts out, Lord, Lord, please transform this bear. Make this bear a religious bear. And then all of a sudden there's thunder and there's lightning in the dark and it gets dark in it and the, and the bear, just about to get to the guy, the bear drops on his knees and starts praying and says, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for the food I'm about to receive. <laughs> Courage, the lack thereof, is one of the main factors that hold us back in developing a closer relationship with God as well as experiencing what it is alive to be in Jesus. Jesus wants us to live a full and abundant life. The lack of courage holds us back from living that life. Courage can be defined as the ability to do something that you know is difficult or dangerous. 
kingdom courage is just adding a kingdom perspective. The ability to do something that you know is difficult or dangerous that advances God's kingdom. When I refer to courage this morning, I'll be meaning kingdom courage and will also refer to courage as getting out of the boat. Kingdom courage means different things to different people. It may mean putting your life or physical well-being at risk, sacrificial giving, praying big and bold prayers, confronting sinful behavior, changing your career, acting with integrity in the workplace, standing up to peer pressure and going against the flow, sharing the gospel with someone, facing a major operation or difficulties and trials that life throws at us, saying sorry, forgiving the unforgivable, loving the unlovable, the list can go on and on. This morning I'll be sharing on some valuable lessons on courage that we can learn from Anna Nias, who features in our Acts reading. And then I'll move on to why there is a call on us to be courageous in our Christian walk. Let's recap our first reading. We start off by reading. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Saul was a bad, bad dude. He simply hated Christians. He was part of and authority, had authority within the Pharisees who were bitter and deadly opponents of the Christian movement and the growth thereof. As Mandy shared last week, when Stephen was getting stoned, Saul was there giving approval to Stephen's death. You just picture him saying, Choyim, hit him with another stone, hit him again, hit him again. Saul was so mad with Christians that he was not intent on staying in Jerusalem and persecuting him there. He wanted to go to Damascus, a large city about 240 kilometers away from Jerusalem, to look for more Christians he could persecute. So off Saul headed to Damascus, and on the way he had a serious encounter with the risen Jesus and was knocked to the ground. When he got up, he was blinded and was led by his traveling companions to Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Whilst this was going on, Ananias, who was an ordinary disciple, a follower of Jesus, was called in a vision by God to go place on hands on Saul, to pray for Saul. In Damascus, there was a disciple called Ananias. The Lord called, him, called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tursus named Saul. Ananias' first response was hesitancy. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. You can imagine how scared Ananias must have felt. He was an ordinary disciple, not some half-flyer. God was telling him to go lay hands and pray on one of the most dangerous people around. You can get a sense in Ananias asking, God, are you sure? Do you know how bad this dude is? As Alf often jokes, here I am, Lord, send someone else. You can't blame Ananias for being hesitant and scared. And God's response was, go. Ananias was courageous. He went. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me, so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul had gone from a persecutor of Christians to, to becoming one of the greatest kingdom builders of all time. Later in Acts, we read how his name changed from Saul to Paul. After his baptism and acceptance of Jesus as his Lord and Savior that day, Saul, Paul, preached and carried the message of Jesus to many countries around the world. He was eventually martyred for his faith. Of the 27 books in the New Testament, Paul is credited as the author of 13 of them. Ananias' courage had played a significant part in advancing 
God's kingdom. There are several key lessons we can learn from, about courage from Ananias. The first is, Ananias had a relationship with God as he was able to hear God's call to courage. Ananias' call came from a vision from God, from God's calling. His nudging to us may come in different ways, from the scriptures, from other people. Visions, dreams, quiet whispers, sweaty palms, increased heart rate. But we are only going to hear God's call, feel his nudging, if we have a relationship with him. We read that Ananias was a disciple of Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus and had a relationship with Jesus. It was because of that relationship that he was able to hear God's call. If we too want to hear God's call, feel his nudging to areas of courage in our lives, we have to want and have a relationship with Jesus. It's not as simple as God picking up the phone or sending a WhatsApp or email saying, Thomas, I need you to get out of the boat today and do the following. Rather, it comes from a relationship with God that develops from spending time in his presence. The second lesson of courage that we can learn from Ananias is that it's okay to be hesitant, nervous, and fearful before we step out of the boat. When Ananias received his call to be courageous, his first reaction was hesitancy, and no doubt he was scared and fearful. Often we do not get out of the boat because we start experiencing fearful emotions. Fear keeps us in the boat. We as Christians sometimes can be our own worst enemies. When we want to do something courageous, we start beating ourselves in the back because we are nervous. We are worried. We think it's ungodly or sinful to experience fear. We think that because we are hesitant, we are not trusting God enough. We think that because we are being obedient to God's call, it should be easy. When Steve and Mandy first asked me to do a teach about three years ago, even though I had a fear of public speaking, I said yes because I had six weeks to go. But as time happened, six weeks became five weeks, and then five weeks turned into four weeks, and my anxiety started building up, and then became three weeks, and two weeks, and one week. And then the worst thing happened, one week turned into six days, and my anxiety got bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually got to the point where I couldn't sleep at night. Um, I, honestly, I was feeling physically ill, and if it wasn't for Bridget, sure, I was really, really stressed. And I, on, the, on the Saturday before, I wanted to phone Steve and Mandy and say, please, I just can't do it. I just could not figure out who would be more gentler on me. Who should have I phoned for next time? <laughs> right then. And in that period, I had some honest conversations with God along the lines, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, why am I finding it so hard? If you want me to get out of the boat, please make it easier. And I never got some huge motivational feedback from God, except my boy. Keep on walking. I am with you. I also got a strange piece of in, in my heart and anxiety that God was not angry with me because I was experiencing fear and that what, it, it was not a case of not trusting him enough. When we are to be courageous, when we are about to get out of the boat, as we can learn from Ananias, it is okay to be hesitant, worried, and experience fear. As stated by Ambrose Redmond, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. And that leads us to the third thing we can learn from, about courage from Ananias. Even though Ananias was hesitant and scared, he was obedient. He did it. He did what God asked him to do. Ananias understood that God's call on him to lay hands on Saul was more important than the hesitancy and fear he was experiencing. Hesitancy and fear did not keep Ananias in the boat and prevent him from being courageous. In our Christian walk of, of being courageous, we must not let hesitancy and fear overcome us. We need to walk through that hesitancy and fear with the realization that what we're achieving and why we are getting out of the boat is bigger and more important than the fear we are experiencing. That leads to the obvious question, why should we get out of the boat? 
Why be courageous? Why not just enjoy the comfort of staying in the boat? The first reason why we are called to be courageous is that by being courageous, we advance God's kingdom in our own lives. We get to trust God more. We get to experience God's abundant provision and faithfulness. We draw closer to God. Imagine how, Ananias felt to God, how close Ananias felt to God once he had laid his hands on Paul and witnessed the miraculous power of God changing a life. Rather than being persecuted by Paul, he witnessed a transformed man. As we step out of the boat more often, we, our trust in God grows and it becomes a continuous cycle. Like a parachutist, he only jumps out of the plane because he trusts in his, in his equipment. I doubt he would jump if, his equipment, if he thought his equipment was faulty. As we experience God's provision and faithfulness, we trust God more and are willing to step out of the boat more frequently. Psalm 34, 8 reads, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Friends, we are, only going to be able to, we are only going to be able to taste and see that the Lord is good if we are willing to put ourselves in situations where we can taste and see that the Lord is indeed good, not by sitting in the boat. The second reason why we are, be, why we are called to be courageous is that, is that by being courageous, we advance God's kingdom in other people's lives. Look at the impact that Ananias' courage had not only on Saul, but on the entire Christian movement from that day onwards. I love this quote by Billy Graham. Courageous. Courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are stiffened. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are stiffened. In your earlier reading from Acts, we read about the courage of Peter and John when they were being brought before the Jewish leadership, who at that time were very anti-Christian. When they, the Jewish leadership, that is the baddies, saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. In my own journey, I've been able to witness the courage of other Christian brothers and sisters and what amazing inspiration it has been to me. I've been fortunate enough to walk, walk along with Tit Smith and the amazing things he, con he has and continues to do on Live Village. His courage and trust in God is infectious. Closer to home, I've been fortunate to witness and hear the incredible and courageous work the Bombay team are doing in Bombay. It's inspirational and certainly advances God's kingdom. As we step out of the boat, not only are lives on the receiving end impacted, but so too are those who witness the courage. The third and last point I want to raise is that when we are courageous, we become alive. In his book, The Irresistible Revolution, David Platt writes, how all around you people will be tiptoeing through life just to arrive at death safely. I'm going to read that again. How all around you people will be tiptoeing through life just to arrive at death safely. God does not want us to tiptoe. He wants us to run with the horses. He wants us to get out of the boat. The Christmas before last, Rowan, most of you know, is my oldest son, and I were fortunate enough to be part of the St. Margaret's team that visited some shelters the, the week before Christmas. The shelters on Pickering Street are not the best place to go, particularly the week before Christmas. After we, we visited the first shelter, which is hardcore, we visited the shelter next door, which is doubly hardcore. And, and, and you have to walk through a locked gate, which is, which is manned by guys who look like they're, wonk, they're wonga addicts, but they work out at gym every day. And you go through the gate, and then they close the gate behind you, and then you have to walk up this narrow, dark flight of stairs. And once you get to there, you walk off to the left, past these cardboard, dingy rooms, and, 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 and it starts getting very, very scary. And then you walk into this massive hall where people are kept in these appalling conditions. And Rowan was particularly scared, and he said to Father David, from Christchurch, and those who've seen Father David, he's quite short and plump, and I'm sure he won't mention, 
won't mind me mentioning that, but Rowan was particularly scared, and he said to Father David, he said, I'm nervous. So Father David said, never fear when David's near. And then Rowan said, but what do I do if somebody runs at me? He says, you just hit them in the Adam apple and they will drop. I'm sure he was just joking and, and, and trying to, trying to um, settle Rowan's nerves. That night I witnessed my son being transformed. Afterwards he was glowing and could not stop talking about his experience. And I don't think he slept much that night. Recently when Rowan sent an application to university, he had to write some stories about himself. And he didn't write about his achievements at school, but he wrote about that night in that shelter. He had experienced what it was alive to be in Christ through being courageous. And I think that night will be etched in his memory forever. Similarly, when we have visited Addington, Addington Hospital, the chatter in the minibus before we get there is fairly nervous and subdued. And one gets a sense of apprehension and nervousness. It's not because of any physical danger, but rather we are about to fellowship and pray for sick people who, have who we have never met before. It's not easy. And the conditions there in Addington are not ideal. However, in the minibus on the way home, the whole mood has changed. There is laughter and joy as we have all experienced what it is to be alive in Christ through getting out of the boat. Not even Craig's bad singing can spoil the mood. Another example is forgiveness. Often it's hard to forgive someone who has hurt us in, in some way. But the minute we do so, the chains of bitterness and hatred are broken. We are set free. We become alive. Good people, when we do something that is difficult or dangerous to do, when we have walked through the hesitancy and fear, we become alive. In wrapping up, I'm going to read a poem by Greg Lavoie entitled The Tragedy of the Unopened Gift. I'm going to change the title to The Tragedy of a Life Not Lived. I'm sure Mr. Lavoie won't mind. The Tragedy of a Life Not Lived. To sinful patterns of behavior that never get confronted and changed. Abilities and gifts that never get cultivated and deployed. Until weeks become months and months turn into years. And one day you're looking back on a life of deep, intimate, gut-wrenching, honest conversations you never had. Great bold prayers you never prayed. Exhilarating risks you never took. Sacrificial gifts you never offered. Lives you never touched. And you're sitting in a recliner with a shriveled soul and forgotten dreams, and you realize there was a world of desperate need. And a great God calling you to be part of something bigger than yourself. You see the person you could have become, but did not. You never followed your calling. You never got out of the boat. Friends, in what area of your life are you needing to be courageous? Do not let hesitancy or fear stop you having a relationship with Jesus. Do not let hesitancy or fear stop you being alive in Christ. Amen. Mandy's going to pray for us. Let's stand as we pray. Adam, Alan was speaking about those great big bold prayers that we never prayed. So let's come before God in boldness and, and in prayer. Oh Lord, I pray for every single person here this morning. You know their hearts, and I pray for that word of courage that you have placed in their heart, whether it be the courage to trust you as their Lord and Savior, the courage to move boldly in you, whatever it be, Lord. I pray for an anointing of your spirit, an infilling, that they be filled with your courage. And Lord, as we stand here, we also want to pray for those around the world who know and love and serve you, and we think especially of those in persecuted countries who today are worshiping you at the risk of their lives. We, we pray for your protection and we pray for your courage, that boldness to proclaim your word. 
We think especially of the, the nuns who are imprisoned in Iraq. We think of the, the children in Nigeria. We think of those imprisoned in Sudan and in the many other countries around the world for your name's sake. And as we are praying, Lord, we pray for your boldness to fill them, your renewal and your joy, even in those circumstances. Lord, in our country, we pray for the, the strikes that are going on, Lord. We pray for an end to that. We pray in your name that you intervene. We pray for your peace that passes understanding. We pray that those who are striking are not, do not cause any harm to those who aren't. We pray for those who are running the, country, the companies. We pray for every aspect, Lord, that you intervene. And we pray for our economy, Lord. We cry out to you for those who are unemployed, who are longing for work, and we pray that you bring new life to our economy, you bring jobs, and Lord, that you, yeah, you provide for all those in need. And Lord, as we pray that prayer, we realize that we need to be an answer to that prayer. So we pray, Lord, for the courage to be your provision, to be your hands and heart to those around us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Please have a seat.